It's Richard, and happy day after Independence Day. Yes. Happy July 4th, regardless. Yeah. It's always a fun time. I hope I you think. guys had a good holiday. Ours was pretty chill. Yeah, so. and we're taping this on the, the eve of uh, July 4th, and you are off of work tomorrow. I'm going to work. Kennedy's going to daycare, so it's going to be a good day. Yes, I'm excited just to have a day to do <laughs> nothing and take a nap and clean the house and... Be normal for once. Yes, I got to take her to daycare and take the dog in to the vet. Uh, it could be a busy day for me, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this year we actually didn't do anything for July Fourth. We kind of played it low key. Um, Kennedy's still getting over her head cold, so just wanted to. We're near. We can tell we're near the end. Like we're we're almost there, so we don't want to fuss with that. Yeah, and she's still a little young. I mean, she's only four months old, so going to a big fireworks show with cannons and you know. Maybe a little much. So next year we're doing all the firework things next year. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> uh, so you're gonna go first this week for fuck of the week. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, well, it. I mean, it's good in the sense of like it's typical me in the kitchen. Kennedy was so we were putting Kennedy to bed. Well, Richard was putting yep. Kennedy to bed. And um, I had just made some like cold brew coffee um, that was going to sit overnight. And I was like, yes, I need some like homemade caramel syrup to to put in my coffee in the morning. Great. This is I found an amazing, simple recipe. Had like 100 great reviews on it. Like it was it, it was looked great. And but the instructions were not very explicit. It just said stir until amber. Well, I've done caramel You've done cooking it, yeah. before. I've done um, like toffee cooking before, and so I was like, okay, I know I like the caramel color to be a little darker because it's a little, <laughs> it's a little more rich. Uh, it's a little bit stronger and potent flavor. Um, sometimes if you go too far, it can get really bitter. But I was willing to take the chance. So Richard was up in bed, and um, Kennedy was just kind of, or he was not in bed. I'm sorry, he was putting Kennedy to bed, and it was. Kind of a rough night anyway. Yeah, and she was already at the stage where she's kind of doing the... She she was done eating, we had done everything, and she was almost there. You could tell, by the way, her arms were starting to get really limp that she was almost to the end. Well, leave it to me to fuck it up. (laughs) Um, So I I did everything right, everything was measured right. I sit there and I kind of walk away for a moment to, like, literally five feet away to put something in the sink. And I turn around and there is just billows of smoke. Oh, is that what happened? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Smoke rising from the the pot that I was cooking this in. Um, turn turns out in that few seconds I had burned the sugar and it was all. I mean the smoke was all over the place, and so. I see it, like, and I know where our smoke alarms are, and I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to get this out of the house, uh, just because I don't want it to go off. So I open the door, I set it on the mat outside, and I think I may have melted the mat. Is that why there's a ring on the mat? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> um, and regardless of me trying to get it out of the house, the smoke alarm went off. And in our house, when one goes off, they all go off. It triggers all of them like a chain reaction. So it's a safety, obviously a safety precaution. But right as Kennedy was going to bed, 
so I, I was sitting there and I immediately like put both hands over her ears because it's a piercing noise when when those go off and she's got an alarm in her room. So I knew what he had done when it started going off. I was like, oh, he started a smoke issue at the you know in, in, with the caramel. But yeah, that was a good one. That was a real good one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then it ruined the coffee. I mean, it didn't ruin the coffee because the coffee was still great, but it just ruined what I had Your expected was, for the morning of yeah. the coffee. So it was fine. But, yeah, I, you know, for those who know me, I bake a lot. I'm in the kitchen and then, several times a week. And so I think people expect that when you do cook a lot that you don't have moments like that. And the not true. Just don't turn away is probably the lesson. It was like four seconds, and it was just enough to burn it and scald the pot. And yeah. So I come down, and he's like, you tell me what happened. And he's like, you need to fix the fire alarm because you had knocked it off the, the ceiling. Yep. I was like trying to like use the towels to wave the smoke away from the fire alarm while I hit the fire alarm, and it broke off the wall. And yeah. Good I stuff. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm done for the night. Yeah. So, so that was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. What about yours? So mine, you don't actually know this one, um, happened yesterday. Um, so had our ride to end Alzheimer's bike ride two weeks ago. It was a ton of fun, had great participation, raised a lot of money for a good cause. Um, so thank you everyone for that. At the end of that, however, I did pop a tire, um, which I've changed tire brands and I've been told they're like indestructible. So that's good because I popped, popped like four tires in my short biking career um so anyway i wanted to do biking so i've been going periodically over the noon hour to spin class um so on wednesday i'm packing up my gym bag um you know putting gym clothes and all that kind of crap in there and go to work and then i leave to head to the gym and i'm just like running through things in my head and i'm like wait a second i didn't pack a second pair of underwear ew Gross. <laughs> I didn't rewear them. So I did, I did, I was, I went to spin, I went to class. I needed to go. Um, he went commando. Folks. I went to commando in the afternoon. I had to, I had no other option. <laughs> oh boy. Your so coworkers, my, I'm sorry. That's my fuck of the week. And I, I blame it on the kid because she just threw me off the schedule and yeah. I'm going to blame my burned caramel syrup on the kid then too. Cause that makes complete sense. That doesn't make any sense at all. Cause you were <laughs> taking care of her. <laughs> Well, uh, it's going to be a fun episode today. Um, I think it's Get to Know Me week, um, and we will kick that off right as we get back. So we're back, and um, this was, um, I know that we have a lot of listeners that um, are from Instagram and uh, several of them are, are other gay couples or, um, you know, uh, dads with kids that follow us. And I feel like they didn't, they don't know a lot about us. And so I recommended to Richard that we need to do like a episode on each of us and basically the other one be the interviewer. And we have no, I have no idea what questions Richard has planned. Um, he, I have no there was no really set rules either about the types of questions. So this could be really entertaining. Um, but I mean, I'll, I'll hand it over to you. Yeah, this is gonna be fun. Um, it's like a mix of some serious stuff and some really fun stuff, some stuff I'm curious on. Um, 
so it's going to be fun. And I'm pretty sure I'll jump into because there are things that I think he's going to say that I'm going to want to comment on um, based on his <laughs> answer. So, Oh, boy. Um, how many questions are we talking about? It depends how it goes. We'll see. Okay. I've got a bunch written down here. Okay. So. We'll go through them all, I'm sure. Um, first question. You just joined the SAR, which is Sons of the American Revolution. Today is obviously July 4th. Um, why don't you tell us not only about like that process, um, but like you're, you've been certified and, or whatever they call it. You're a member now of the Sons of the American Revolution, which is a really small mm-hmm. portion of the U.S. population who qualifies to be a son of the American Revolution. Yeah, so for those of you who may not know what that means, um, the, <clears throat> being a member of the American, the sons or daughters of the American Revolution is you basically have to provide through legal documentation that you and your family have ties to a soldier who served in the American Revolutionary War. Um, which, you know, considering it was, you know, not that long ago, all things considered, you think would be pretty easy, but things like census records actually didn't start until the early 1900s. So finding documentation to go back to 17 whatever that was, 1776, yeah. Jeez, wow. <laughs> Another history lesson. Um, <clears throat> it's it's not as easy as it would sound. Um, so luckily, it, it was for me because I had uh, family members who were a part of this same, um, who kind of did the work for me. But um, so the, the process is essentially you have to f- um, work on identifying your family tree. So identifying <clears throat> from your mom and dad to their mom and dad to their mom and dad all the way back until 1776 um, that they are uh, blood relation to you. Um, it can't be through through marriage. It, it has to be in your blood, direct descendants of those people. So... Um, for me, um, I had an aunt, a great aunt, actually, Aunt Mabel, who um, has since passed on. But she, before she died, she sent me all of her paperwork for her application, which was a huge help for me because I got to see how she kind of tied, made the connection. Um, she also, um, fun fact, she also sent me information on tying my bloodline all the way back to... Um, the colonial, what is that called? Mayflower, right? Yeah, but it's like when um, when we what is that called when they when we established the thirteen colonies? Yeah, yeah. The, the colonization of, of the United States. So that's even harder because it goes back even further. Um, but so essentially, I had to prove my lineage from 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 me to my great aunt, and then I kind of took her lineage all the way back to seventeen seventy six. So um, I definitely recognize it was a lot easier for me than most people. Some people actually have to do step by step. So typically that, that consists of, you know, you, you have to hunt down birth certificates, which say the exact and proper names. Um, they say, or they will pull census records, or um, there's a lot of, there's a ton of different type of documents that you can provide um, that can prove that, um, but essentially, all you send, all you write this up, this write up this application, and has you have to write out every little step and who is who, and and um, make copies of all of those documents that prove your lineage, and send that to a local rep for your state, um, and um, 
the Sons or Daughters of American Revolution website can actually get you connected with those if you're interested in this. Um, and they basically, they process your application for you. They send it in. They make sure that everything is what it needs to be. And then you wait about two to three months and you'll get a decision of whether or not you've been accepted or not. And I was, which I wasn't surprised because my family had been. Um, but it's really cool to... I know Richard and I have very different experiences when it comes to family history, and he's done a little bit of digging and searching on his family tree as well. And um, for me, it's it's really, there's a lot of honor in our family in terms of service in war. Um, that's just another, with my brother um, just joining the Marines, like that's just echoed once again that this, this passion and this love and this drive kind of lives within us, um, even though I had never done it myself. So um, yeah, it's really cool. It's such a cool um, and a difficult process. So, yeah, just watching you go through that entire process, um, and like I sat there one Saturday helping you decipher what like one of the documents was from your aunt in terms of like how she was referencing so and so was married so and so because they had very similar names and so you're like well is it this person or this person? It's it's a process and yeah. it's cool reading through the newsletter now that comes through. Um, yeah, and you know, it, people I think typically don't want to do it because it it does have annual fees attached to it, and there are application fees. And um, but once you get in, it's just it's a minimum like fifty minimal fifty dollar fee every year. So it's worth it to me. So we're gonna stay on the family train. Um, personally, and even like I feel like it was on our first date, and then you've always often spoken of um, your your grandma and grandpa. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you? Uh, there's no like specific question, um, but why don't you just tell like what they meant to you, um, both as a kid and kind of as a young adult? Yeah. So um, for those of you who um, <clears throat> may not know me as closely, I was born in Missouri and I moved to Colorado when I was two. Um, at that point, my two sets of grandparents were in two states. Um, the one in Colorado was the one on my mom's side, which is. Um, my grandmother and grandfather that Richard is referring to. Um, so I lived across the street from them <clears throat> for, gosh, well, my entire childhood plus plus some. Um, and then as I got into my twenties, I was mom still lived in that in the same town, and we were just there all the time. And so, um, there, my grandma had like, I don't know. 12 grandchildren at the time when I was young. And, um, I was very, very fortunate to live across the street because that gave me a lot of opportunity to get to know her, um, to, as well as get, you know, I have moments with my grandfather where they're planting corn and he's teaching me about it. And I'm standing out in the yard in my diaper, um, <laughs> at like two learning about corn. Um, you know, I was very fortunate to have, um, a lot of intimate moments with my grandparents that, that offered me a lot of insight into not only their life and my family, but, um, the life that they came from. And I think that's where I really started to find value in my grandparents was hearing, uh, my, my grandfather served in uh, world war two and he served in Vietnam and so hearing those, those stories that about, you know, the camaraderie with his fellow soldiers and watching my grandmother raising children while he's home um, out fighting a war, listening to the music of 1940, of the 40s and on um, and how that impacted their marriage and how that kept her 
um, loving and striving to hoping to hope for the hope that he would come home and um, this overwhelming sense of like pride and duty within within the family and then they were also also very um, faithful Christian people so a lot of my faith that I have now is based um, from the things that my mom and then my grandparents taught me as a young child um, and so yeah, as I got older, I, I started to ask more questions and I started to say like, well, you know, what did grandpa do for you when you guys were first dating or, um, what particular song always makes you cry when you think of grandpa? Cause at the, he died in 1993 and, um, you know, grandma was, grandma didn't die until night until 2011. So there was a long span between them. And so, um, as I got older, I started to ask a little more of those poignant questions. And um, I think the definitive part for me was when I came out as a gay man, my grandma was, <clears throat> she has a gay son herself. And so she kind of knew the ins and outs. And um, I think for any any family member, it can be kind of shocking. But for my grandmother, it was um, probably my first experience of unconditional love that I was given and it was, she didn't care. She was like, okay, doesn't, doesn't matter to me. Um, you're still like my child. And, um, about a year before she died, she was like, I don't, my grandmother had eight children. She told me she was like, you're more of my child than you are my grandchild, um, because of that closeness. So, um, a lot of the personality and like the attitude that I have and, some, <laughs> and there's attitude everybody <laughs> <laughs> and like a lot of the jokes um come from my mom which when looking when you really look at it come from her parents sure. and and their influence and so um thanks mom for that and thank you to both my grandparents who are no longer here but they were all three of those people were just a huge cornerstone into forming Steve as you know sure. him so I'm, I will forever be sad that I didn't get to meet Donna, your grandmother. Um, but that's why life is sometimes. So I just experience her through you. Yeah. She, and it's, it's funny. I I won't cry, but I, I could, I could, um, a fun fact that a lot of people don't know about me is I love Cardinals. Um, and I didn't really until after my grandma died. Grant was a bird that she loved. Um, she actually grew up, was born in, in Ray as part of her life in, in Iowa. <clears throat> and so there's some, there's some family ties here for me in this state as well. And, um, and t- it wasn't until I moved here, I started to really see them everywhere. And <clears throat> I see them outside in our front, you know, in our backyard. I see them at work as I'm walking in the door. And it's like, there's just these little moments of, hey, Grandma every time I do it and it's, it's just, she's, she's still here and she's very much a part of our family life. And yeah. so, yeah, I'm trying to bring more. I'm doing everything I can to, <laughs> to yes. bring them to the neighborhood. And, I mean, they're not very nice birds. They're kind of mean, but they're beautiful. They're very beautiful. So both in, both in, uh, sight and sound for sure. So you, you touched on an, an item for question three. Um, you're just doing this, the work for me, which is great. Um, it's a big question. So bite off whatever you want. Um, how did coming out shape who you've become as a man, as a husband, and as a father? Could you ask a loaded more? It's loaded a loaded question, question, so go wherever you want to go Dear with it. Dear God, um, 
I honestly don't know if coming out shaped much of that um, in, in, in terms of maybe the process of coming out. Um, <clears throat> I was not a conventional coming out story. I was, especially when I told my mom, it was not a, Mom, I need to talk to you, and here's, I've had a hard time. <laughs> I, I, I'm a smart-ass bitch. Like, that's just, that's just not, I don't approach a lot of things like that. <clears throat> and so I was literally, literally going to church, I think, one day, and I walked down. To, Mom was like, can you walk, you know, can you go back in and grab something? And I walked back, I, as I was walking back, in, I was like, oh, Mom, by the way, I'm gay. And I'd like just drop the bomb and we didn't really talk about it until I started talking about a guy I was dating. And, um, <clears throat> I think that living starting, it wasn't necessarily coming out that formed who I am as a man and a father and a husband, but more so, um, those first few years when I started to live as a gay man. Um, I think it was, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it was more what figuring out for myself, what does it mean to be um, authentic? And for me, I think, at least it's my belief that what is authentic for me isn't necessarily what's always the same type of authenticity for someone else. And so for me, I had to really spend time figuring out what are, you know, there's a lot of crazy gay shit out there. And what, what do I want to be a part of and what do I not want to be a part of? And what, um, a, you know, a big part of coming out was reconciling being gay with the faith that I was raised to have. And I feel like that was a huge cornerstone for, for the man you met on our first date and the man that you know now as a father. Um, where I, I really started to understand and start to really dig deep on the fact that love is the most important thing out of every faith. Love is the thing that is consistent from no matter whether you're Buddhist or you're, you know, you're a Protestant or Catholic or, you know, Hindu, whatever. Um, the thing that ties us all together is love. And that's where I started to root myself. And what I wanted to ultimately start to identify myself as is a person who loves myself for whatever that is and the people that I want to be with and be around are the people that exude that to me and to others that they're around. Um, and um, so I think, like I said, coming out was not life-changing for me, but figuring out how to be a gay man in a gay world and reconciling all of that with my faith is what made me who I am. Um, in terms of being a father, honestly... I don't see any impact, to be honest, because the person that I thought I would be as a very young child as a dad is the person I see in the mirror every day, um, which is fascinating to me because you would think that life experience would pull you into a place where you would reflect on all these things and that's going to impact how I make decisions for my child. But, and I guess in some level they have. I mean, there's big life experiences that change how I choose to raise my child you know for instance I don't like to talk baby talk to her um, I would rather speak to her in words um, and you know make sure that whatever she is if she's crying or she's laughing that I honor whatever emotion she's feeling I feel like those are probably parts of me growing up but 
not necessarily being gay. But don't you think that going through that process of whether it's coming out or accepting yourself and going through the, the faith, uh, uh, reconciling your faith with, with your sexuality, don't you feel that that in a way prepares you for some likely challenging situations and conversations that you'll have with your daughter in terms of the fact that you've gone through for, for a lot of people coming out and, and accepting their sexuality is a very low point, right? It's a lot of unanswered questions that you don't know how to find the answers and you have to find it out for yourself and experience it and be okay with it. And in so doing, I feel you become more accepting of those valleys that people go through um, and how to go through them more maybe because you've had to do it yourself. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. I also, but I also try not to say, hey, this happened to me and this is how I responded. And so I see this happening similar to you and this is how you should respond. Absolutely. I definitely don't want to be that way because, um, like I said, however someone feels is not wrong. It's just but, they're but dealing did, with whatever. Right. But do you, do you honestly think you would have said that as an 18 year old? Um, I guess that's what I'm getting at. Like, don't you think? That no, that I wouldn't ref- have said that as, as an 18 year old. But I guess what I'm getting at is that coming out is not what gave me that perspective. Right, and there was a poorly poor word choice for. I think for it the was um, me going through, um, you know, essentially a, the beginning parts of seminary and understanding and sure. talking about faith in a different way and um, looking at what I didn't want to be in the reflection of other people. Um, that's what kind of gave me that perspective versus necessarily having anything in to do anything to do with my, um, how I identify sexually. Um, so, I mean, yeah, life, life is always going to build your story for you. But I think my point was that the, when I was seven years old and I told my mom, I wanted to be a dad someday, I, I remember thinking that all I wanted to do was cuddle with my child, whoever that would be, and I wanted to to be in a nice home, and I wanted, you know, I wanted to have uh, a routine and all, all these things that are that build up care for a child is exactly kind of. I mean, I, I didn't necessarily see this exact house, but I have I have a loving family, and I have two loving extended families on each side that care for my daughter. And I have, I do have a beautiful home and I do cuddle her in the way I thought that I would. Um, so I think we, that is probably a really good question when she's maybe 15 <laughs> and I'm challenged yeah. the fuck out this, by this, everything this. she does. And on the boys she brings home and all of that. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, here's a fun question. Um, not everybody may know that I've, run for office um, since we've been married unsuccessfully. So now that that campaign is over, I can ask this question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) How do you really feel about that whole process about the campaign? And before you answer, understand that full disclosure, it may happen again. Understand the process of you running or a person that I may run again at some point in life. So do you want me to give my opinion to your particular run? Oh, I see. Uh, sure. Or just what you have to do to run? Sure. Um, <laughs> do I enjoy it? Absolutely not. Do I ever want to be a part of it again? Absolutely not. Um, I think it's fascinating 
and convoluted <laughs> and um, fucked up in a lot of ways. I think you were screwed over because of something that I don't believe should be able to happen. Um, we won't get into that because I'll bend up. Yeah, we won't go part. there yet. I'll, yeah. I'll drop that person's name and it will not be a pretty sight. Um, I think I have a, uh, I came out with a much deeper respect for the amount of effort it took. I think specifically to you, you know, watching you like door knock all the damn time. I mean, guys, he would spend every weekend. He would go two days in a row and he would spend hours just door after door after door, just trying to shake someone's hand and say, how are you? This is who I am. I am, I'm a pretty outspoken person and I'm pretty outgoing. That is too much for me. I couldn't do it. Uh, it's too salesy. I am not, I hate sales. <laughs> and the thing is, I'm good. You're at good it. at it. <laughs> I'm good at it and I hate it. Um, so I, I mean, it, it may happen again and that's okay. I think we, I just need to be very cognizant of like how much that takes over my life. Yeah. Uh, that took over a lot of my life, obviously as it should, I think, cause it's part of a family. It's a family decision. Right. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I, I was tired and I feel like we did nothing but talk about politics and, uh, I hate politics. Richard knew this when long before way, but we may have talked about it within the first few dates. I just, I, I hate it. I don't feel like it provides positivity on any level. Um, you know, I think it's what, what, it, what would seem positive to me, meaning my personal views or who, if the person I love gets elected, yeah, that's positive for me. And the, the changes that that person may make may be positive to me, but the people who don't agree with how I think, it's not positive to them. And it, hurt, and it hurts them, and it, they believe that it hurts their family or whatever. Um, that's just why I've never really wanted to ever be a part of it, and I've, I don't really enjoy watching it because, I mean, I love, I love things like the Centrist Project and, and things that are trying to find common ground and unity and, and common sense solutions. I love that, but at the same time, even that is drawing, you know, divisions between sides and it's like again coming from that place of love that we just talked about I don't see politics equaling that in any shape or form and I think that's ultimately why I just I support you and if you ever want to do it again I'm never going to tell you no but it's not a place that I operate from and it's just not something I can like I've had a couple people at work um, in my previous job and this one asked me say well have you ever thought about running for this or this or this and I'm like you know what? I know I'm outspoken and I know I'm very frank and I probably have some very, um, I have delivery methods that would probably work in a political world, but it's just not, not where I want to focus my energy. And like, I, that's why I admire people like you though. Cause you think your, your point of view and correct me if I'm wrong is like, you want to get into politics because you want change and you want positive change and you want things to be better. And that's where you feel like that needs to happen. And, um, yeah, like I feel like it can and should happen there. I mean, that's, that's what I, I had, um, recently had coffee with someone who's running for city council where we live and we got to talking and there's one thing I told her that I had been, been told 
God, it would have been 20 years ago that uh, local government is the one that's purest because it's closest to the people. Um, and it really is. And she was like, wow, I never thought of it that way. Because when you really think about it, like that role, they're dealing with your, your, your streets you drive on every day, the parks that you want, your firehouse. Like, and we got to talking about our local issues. We have a new firehouse being built right by us. And so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I firmly in my, my my soul like believe that there's so much good that we can do if we don't do politics, right? Well, and <clears throat> I think if I did ever run, and I won't, but if I ever did, it would have to be something like city council. Yeah. It would have to be something like mayor. And that would be the extent of it because you you can impact. Yeah, and 100%. I, I don't feel like they get as caught up. They probably still get caught up, but not as caught up as state and federal. Elections. Yeah, I think at that level you get more caught up on the issue and that's okay. That's where yeah. you should get caught up on. Anyway, we'll move on to another question. Um, I've got uh, one more heavy hitter than a lot of fun ones to, to go through. So Sorry, folks. I didn't know this was going to be so depressing. No, I think it's fun. It's I think it's important to learn like that stuff because it tells us a little bit about who you are and why you are. Um, this one might be a little depressing the way I, <laughs> the way I set it up. <laughs> So you're you're a new parent now. Um, the kiddo is 18 weeks old. Going to be 19 weeks old next week, which is crazy to me. Like I feel like there's no way that she's that old already. But I know. Uh, yeah. Um, what is your biggest fear as a parent? So after taking a couple seconds and thinking about it, um, there are. It's. I set out before I had a before we had a baby. I sat down for a few months and I really started to think about things that I wanted my child to be brought up with. Um, these are more, um, virtues and or truths that I want them to, um, that I want her to have. I think my biggest fear is her not having these six things. Um, and it's, uh, I have a, on my, this is funny. It's funny to say this because this is a this particular topic is going to be on my my podcast coming soon. That's coming soon. Um, but the first, I'll, I'll just talk about briefly talk about each each of these six, and um, you'll I think you'll start to understand why these are so. Um, why I would be afraid if we didn't succeed in this way. Um, the first one is to give love and to be love. Um, obviously, I think we've talked about it a couple times now in, the, in this podcast, but I want love to be the first and foremost thing that she feels and that she gives. Um, I believe that that's where change, real change comes from. Your love for politics and your love for the, your community, that that is what drives you wanting to do those things. Um, you know, my love for music is the reason that it has been healing for my soul, and it, it's something I want to put in her life every day. So to be love and give love. Um, the second one is to be kind. I think if, um, as much as I'm a jokester and I'm a big, big old bitch, this will probably be the hardest one for me. Um, but I would feel like I, I would, I'm afraid of failure as a parent if I don't teach her what kindness is. And I want to be sure that we dis, um, distinctly um, separate um, kindness and niceness. I think niceness is um, superficial, and it's often like free gift with purchase, versus necessarily kindness is something that's like rooted in your soul, and you're a kind person, and you're very good at that. I think people love you, Richard, because you are 
you're very kind. You have a very kind spirit. I'm just, I don't have that spirit. Um, it doesn't necessarily make me a mean person. It just means that's not the first thing I exude. Um, the third one being, um, give what you can without giving up yourself. Uh, this was a hard truth for me to learn as a kid was that I don't have to be everything to everyone all the time and that I need to honor and respect my own space and protect my body and protect my health and my mind. And, um, and it's okay to volunteer and it's okay to work and all the do those things that you love, but make sure you take care of yourself in the process. Um, that who you are and what you feel is valid and valuable. Um, this is just something I think we are, we, we're kind of getting into a little bit more welcoming world these days. So this was great. But a lot of times people are, you know, we say to things like little boys, Hey, you know, boys don't cry. Well, boys do cry and, and crying is okay. And being mad is okay. Cause those are all normal and, and honoring those, um, is, is valid. And there's a lot of value in those. Once you start to learn to harness that, you can actually really start to grow and learn a lot about yourself in that way. Number five is that compassion is an outward expression of an inward conviction. Um, this, this comes from just being in the church and that things that I want our daughter, and I would feel like I failed as a parent if we didn't teach her compassion. And compassion starts when something speaks to your spirit and something just uproots you and you need to do something about it and you want to reach out to someone um, so I want that inward conviction to speak to why she's being compassionate to other people. And the last one is that sexiness is only superficially perceptible and always fleeting, but beauty is visceral and deeply rooted. Um, that is definitely something I think a lot of, a lot of women, we definitely like to sexualize women in every way like we have so many high expectations for women in Hollywood and how they look at work and you know all these different things I want her to feel beautiful before she ever feels sexy and beautiful is in your spirit and in your heart and who you are as a person and everything else is people will fall in love with you if you have that so sexiness means nothing I want to touch on one quick point you made about feelings Um, we just had a visit from our friends, um, Aaron and Brooke, Aaron, who, who was my first friend who became my, not my first friend, but I I changed schools when I went into first grade and he was my first friend in first grade. Um, we had a, we, we drifted apart as we became teenagers and such. And then thankfully Facebook came along and we reconnected and we, we see each other as often as we can, which is never often enough. Um, but they have, they have a little, a little boy now who's two, Mm-hmm. Two years old. Yep. So they came and visited last weekend, stopped by, and he and I have ha- had numerous conversations. And one of the most recent ones, he mentioned that he is doing everything he can to make sure that his son understands that feelings are okay, mm-hmm. that it's a good thing. I want you to feel. I want you to hug. I want you to to yep. to embrace the fact that you're a human being. Yep. Um, and that's so important. Yep. For so. just em- emotional awareness. That in and of itself, just to be like, I'm feeling this way because. And and validating that that's okay. Right. Most people can't do that. And the thing is, I couldn't do that for a long time. And I had to learn that, you know what? I'm pissed. I am fucking angry. And that is okay. Yeah. 
And here's why that's okay, because it's helping me do X, Y, and Z. Like that is so, so important, especially now that there's like, there's social media everywhere and bullying is everywhere. And you look at politics, even on TV now, everyone is hating on each other and causing emotional turmoil. Like it's really, really important that I think that we teach her how to be that way. Absolutely agree. Um, all right. So these last, everything from here on out should be fun, quick, um, and I have a fun way to end it. So um, here we go. Um, who would play you in a movie? Who do I want to play me in a movie? Who would play you in a movie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what is his name? He was on NS- SNL. Um, I get told he's my doppelganger all the time. Seth. Seth uh, Myers. Seth Myers. That'd Seth be a good one. He could be good. Who do I want to play yeah, me? Yeah, let's go. Yeah. Um, probably Mark Ruffalo. He would also be a good cast for you, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mark's so good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, what is the favorite food? What is your favorite food that I've ever made Made you? And there's probably like 12 dishes that I've ever made. <laughs> I'm just trying to think. It's been a long time. And there's like six months between each dish. Shut up. God, <laughs> I cook way more than that, everybody. <laughs> um... Probably your enchiladas. Okay. Because so he makes his own red enchilada sauce from yep. scratch, folks. So it's not like this is from a can. Uh, it's it's really good. Uh, and the least favorite. Um, Probably anything the fish, everybody, because I like to make fish, but he he won't eat it. No, I'd, actually, fish is not on the bottom list. It's more of like when you were you, when, what was it you were making in New York? It was like something and green beans, and you would like fry the green beans. I don't remember. And they just were so rubbery all the time. I had fry green beans? You were, I think it was like chicken and green beans or something you made. Okay. And it was like a staple because that's when you, I don't think you had really started to branch out in cooking yet. Like you hadn't really done okay. a lot. But I hated that meal. Okay. Well, I'm glad I don't make it anymore. Um, now I grow my own green beans and throw them on the grill. And they're so. much they're, they're much better. better. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I don't do it anymore. Um, what is the, the most favorite thing? And this is, is you got to go back like seven years. Um, the, the most favorite thing that we've ever done together, whether it be a five-minute thing or a five-week thing. This is going to sound so hokey. Oh, God. But our, our honeymoon. Okay. That's our favorite thing. Uh, I, I am just... Richard... For Richard is probably sick of me because I complain about not traveling enough probably at least once a week. Um, but travel is such a big part of who I am and who I want to be and how I've learned a lot of stuff. And I just, I don't do it an, an ounce of what I wanted, what I want to be doing it. And so that, that whole experience was we had five different countries and so much different food and so many different types of people. And the, obviously the views were incredible. Um, so yeah, that okay. just speaks to okay. me. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite meal in general? Whether you make pizza. it, I make it pizza. Okay. Pizza. Uh, favorite dessert. Pizza. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, favorite dessert is probably a really good cake. If you can give me a chocolate cake with a good chocolate icing, um, that's about all I need in life. Oh, oh, wait. I don't know. Ice cream's up there. Because like a chocolate ice cream with chocolate brownie in it. That's a lot of chocolate. Oh, my God. Mm -mm. So maybe I should just say chocolate. Anything chocolate you're (laughs) going to be okay with. Uh, Either probably cake and ice cream. Although, but you didn't like the the, the birthday cake you made for me years ago, the ho-ho cake. I did not. Why? Too sugary. Too much sugar. Okay. 
All right. But uh, side note, does anyone, I'm hoping anyone out there has watched the British Baking Show. Richard has gotten looped into it, and there has been so much cake. And um, I feel like I'm a diabetic just from watching the show. I love it. I want to go on there so bad, but I'm not British. You are not. Damn it. Uh, You've traveled a lot. Uh, A lot more internationally than I have. Mm -hmm. Um, What has been the single best place you've ever visited? Austria. Okay. Hands down. uh, The views, the people, the food. Um, Culturally, there's just so much culture in that um, part of the world. Um, Obviously, World War II, you and I love that, so that's that's there. Um, But just the mountaintops are incredible. Okay. Uh, Your favorite movie? Probably the holiday. Good, good call. Good choice. Uh, and your favorite TV show? The Crown. Okay, Netflix. Everybody. Yep. Which we talked about on a couple episodes. Uh, talked about a couple episodes ago. Yeah, and they're killing me with not coming this, out with season three. Delaying this <laughs> season three for two years. Uh, all right, Coke or Pepsi? It depends. No, it can't. <laughs> depends on what it's in. If it's by itself, Pepsi. Okay. Uh, what do you drink in the morning? Coffee. Can you do a push-up? No. <laughs> do you know that? Why did you ask me that question? <laughs> <That's fine>. <laughs> <laughs> and your favorite cartoon character? Mickey Mouse. Okay. When we come back, everybody, we are going to end this episode um, with the 10 questions that were always asked at the end of James Lipton's program inside the actor studio. So come back for that. Okay, we're back for these last 10 questions. Um, I used to watch the show um, when I was a teenager. I always loved this segment. And if you and if you want a great laugh, um, I'll try and find oh, the God. link and throw it in the show notes. Uh, Robin Williams's answers to these questions were fantastic. So, Steve, question one. What is your favorite word? Fuck. Your least favorite word? Please. What? It annoys me. <laughs> It really, it fucking annoys me because I'm like, don't get me wrong. Like I want people to have manners, but I'm also like, you're wasting my time by saying that word. You could have said it like, cause usually people say it like five times, like, please, would you do that? You become really, me now. This oh is Oh my scary. God. Like, okay. please shut right. the fuck up. What turns you on? That's a really personal, um, it doesn't have to be sexual. True. A good smile. There you go. And what turns you off? A bad smile. <laughs> what sound do you love? A sound that I love? That's almost an impossible question. Probably cello. A cello. And what sound do you hate? The sound of my own voice on a recording. So I'm glad we're doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is your favorite curse word? Fuck. What profession other than yours would you like to attempt? Um, uh, a professional singer. What profession would you not like to do? A politician. <laughs> and finally, the final question for the Get to Know Steve episode. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates? Welcome home. And that does it for this episode, the Get to Know Steve episode. We'll do one about me in a couple of episodes. Um, I had fun. 
Hope you had fun, Steve. Yes. <laughs> Challenging questions, I won't lie. I want to mix a challenge and fun, so... Yeah. I, had an, I needed a little prep time. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of blank space in this episode. That's no, all good. <laughs> so, um, we wish you all the best. We wish you well. Um, you can find us on Instagram, at Richard and Steve, um, on Twitter, at Fuck is Our Mantra. Um, until next time, we will chat then and hope you guys had a great holiday have a great weekend and we will see you in a couple weeks bye hey thanks for listening to fuck is our mantra it really truly means the world to both of us if you loved it please give this a rating wherever you're listening and tell your friends about it. If you'd like to send us a message, email us at richardandstevepodcast at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter, send us any kind of messages, at fuckasourmantra, and you can also find us on Instagram, at richardandsteve. Thanks so much. This podcast was mixed and produced by Sprout Media, a digital media firm in Des Moines, Iowa, who believes in doing things differently. They believe in putting consumers and clients first, being a partner in marketing, and inspiring your tomorrow. They build websites, create digital media strategies, shoot and produce videos, and edit and produce podcasts just like this one. Check out Sprout Media at GoSproutMedia.com, where you can subscribe to their podcast, The Buzz Addiction, or even request a free consultation. That's GoSproutMedia.com.